السلام loyalty to kufr was still overpowering. 
So that means then one sign of a monophic, or not rather sign, one aspect of a monophic, and now I will use it in any of our sense in the Muslim Ummah, if our loyalty and allegiance to a particular community is greater than our affiliation with haq, with truth. That is actually exactly what the monophicon were. And this is the great problem that this has happened in our own ummah. And in fact, every single aspect of hypocrisy and every single sign of hypocrisy can be found in different parts and different places and different people of the ummah. So this is one major sign. So we must always remember that our lines and allegiance and loyalty to truth has to be greater than our loyalty, allegiance, and alliance to any communal or group identity. Then, a second aspect, if you think about the monophagon, the original monophagon at the time of Madinu Manohra, is what I was mentioning, that they did experience they did experience something. And so this shows a particular evil ability in human beings that they can be around truth, like they were around Sayyidina they can perceive truth, they can experience truth, and still they can deny truth. Being aware of it, experiencing it, witnessing it, submerging in it, they can still deny truth. And remember Allah subhanahu has mentioned in the Quran that the munafiq will be in the asfal, uh, in the most lowest abyss and pits of Jahannam. So it means then one meaning of that, understanding of that would be that the lowest a human being can go is to deny the truth even though they know it to deny the truth even though they know the truth to be true. Now the same attribute, Allah Akbar, the exact same attribute applies to some Muslims today. That they deny the truth even though they fully know the truth to be true. So this is the second horrific example of nifaq that can be found in some people today. A third thing about Munafik and nifaq and hypocrisy and hypocrites. We will take this from a hadith of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he said, "Akhwafu ma akhafu ala ummati." Out of all the things that I fear for the my ummah, akhwaf, the thing I fear the most, the thing I fear the most, kullu munafikin alimul lisan is every monafik who will be alimul lisan means will be extremely knowledgeable and articulate in their tongue and in their speech. And this is the thing that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam feared the most for the Ummah. What does it mean? It means that uh, this person will have a destructive effect on the masses will have a destructive effect on the masses. And a great muhaddith, Imam al-Munawi Rimulatala, commenting on this hadith, explained that what is this, what type of munafik is this alim al-lisan? 
So explains that this refers to a highly articulate person who possesses a tremendous amount of knowledge and is very eloquent in speaking on that knowledge, but in their heart, but in their heart, jahil qalbi, they are ignorant of what they say in their heart. What does it mean? That they can't feel what they say. They can't feel what they say. So they can maybe, for example, give an incredibly eloquent and articulate and knowledgeable speech on haya, but their own heart is jahil, their own spiritual heart, qalb, is ignorant of the reality and the experience of haya. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And then, Alama al-Munawi went on to say that such a person, then what do they do? They bring humanity, they bring people, anas, they bring people into ghurur. Now, ghurur means deception. So they deceive people with the sweetness of their talking. Now, a great problem that we have today in the Ummah is before I mention that the great problem is that people like this do exist, a great problem we have in the Ummah is that we have groups or individual ulama who take these primary nusuf, these texts, ayat, Qur'aniya, ahadith, and nabubiyya, and they use it to slander one another. So for example, a false use of this hadith would be to accuse one's rival or someone that somebody doesn't like who happens to speak well. That, oh, you see, this person is that monophic because they speak well. And that would be a false use of the hadith. And because there's so many people who use this hadith falsely, then we have lost the true use of this hadith. This doesn't mean you cannot abrogate the hadith. The hadith is true. And we need to know it and understand it. And it is applicable in certain cases. And just because people misapply it in wrong cases doesn't mean we should not use it in the right case. In the right case is that person who doesn't do amal on their ilm, who talks about things but doesn't practice them, who talks about the virtues of tajjud but doesn't really pray tajjud at all, who doesn't pray more than the two fastest regards, who talks about the virtues of zikr but themselves doesn't actually practice zikr, who talks about the virtue of haya but themselves themselves does shameless acts. And this is a person, such a person is a hypocrite, not a hypocrite like those people in Medina Manawar were because this is a person from the Mu'minin who has Iman. And the people in Medina Manawar, they died as kuffar. So it's not that level, they're a person who has Iman. Second, they're a person who has so much ilm in Lisan in Nabuwa, in the speech and expression of Sayyidina Rasulullah, he some such a person as Alim. Extremely knowledgeable, and their speech is sweet, but their heart is jahil. Their heart does not know the reality of what it is that they're saying. Now, the devastation of this is what that Sayyidina the Alama al Munawi is explaining that what this hadith means is why is that why is the Prophet the most fearful of such a person? It's because they will lead people astray. They will lead people astray. Now, the narrator of this hadith is Sayyidina Omar, 
not that person who would have been the most terrifying to Nabi Akrim so now this was the real reason why ulama of the past used to follow the path of the Sawuf because they would find that they had knowledge on Abdullah because they studied Deen and many of them were prolific in their writing or eloquent in their speech and those months blessed them to be both and they were scared because of the hadith and they didn't they were worried about their amal and their kalb so one is ilm and one is lisan on the one hand on one side you've got ilm and lisan knowledge and articulate eloquent speech and the other side you've got amal and kalb practice real amal acts virtuous acts and deeds Real ibadat, real adab, real akhlaq, and we have qalb, the spiritual state of one's heart. And because they knew that they got ilm and lisan, and they got lisan also from the madrasa, by learning Arabic, by learning balagha, rhetoric, by learning poetry, so the true proper alam in the, you know, at least the pre-modern Muslim world, was extremely fasi and believe he was eloquent and articulate. But they were worried about this. And that's why they used to follow the path of the sawuf, means they were worried about tazkiyah and islah. They wanted the condition of their heart to be pure tazkiyah, and they wanted their amal to be sound and proper, and to protect themselves against the nafs, leading them to vice and incorrect action, so they wanted islah. And this was the real niya and motivation. And unfortunately, we're living in a time when, number one, Many ulama, not saying all or majority, but many increasingly num- increasing numbers of ulama and increasing, especially increasing numbers of young, fresh or early or recent graduates of Darul Ulum are not worried at all. They don't feel this fear lest that, lest I become this monafik. And there, in fact, I've in my own experience and encounter, and you know, I'm a member of different forums and I see the way different people write and I interact with people and see the different way they speak and it's amazing that actually the more learned and more eloquent of the young Madrasa graduates, those are the ones who have what we call in our field istidab, that they have actually academic skill and aptitude and proficiency in Arabic, they're the ones who are sometimes the most arrogant they're sometimes the ones who are the most empty and devoid of amal salih ibadat, uh, virtuous deeds and worship. They're sometimes the ones who are the most empty of having true states of the heart. And then what happens is they go, they're so interested in putting on academic ears and having certain, you know, flowery, fluffy speech and titles. Uh, this is a very scary phenomenon. And this is so sad because the Ummah needs precisely those young ulama who actually did study well and learned the deen properly and have solid academic ability and deep understanding of Quran al-Kareem and Hadith and deep understanding of Fiqh al-Usul. They are the ones who are so desperately needed at this time of fitna. But unlike our great, for example, Akabir ulama Deoband, who were more skilled than these young ulama, such as they were much more knowledgeable, much more skilled, much more eloquent, much more articulate. But they had that fear of nifaq. And they had a concern 
for their virtuous amal and virtuous actions, and they had a concern to have proper states of the heart, so they would follow, they, they became bad to a sheikh, and they worked on their tazkiyah, and they worked on their islah, right? Now, again, I want to emphasize, especially because I'm, you know, this is initially a talk given on a South African radio station, so if sometimes, sometimes I may say something that outwardly aligns or similar to what somebody else says, you know, because there's certain quacks and extremists out there who view everyone other than, other than themselves as a hypocrite. So I'm not aligning myself with that position at all. And I just think that, you know, we've always had people like that in the Ummah. There was a person, Dawud al-Zahiri, later there was a person, Ibn Hazm. May Allah Ta'ala have mercy on them and... I'm sure there will be people who are Malaysia, inshallah, out of his mercy, will grant them Jannah. But there were always these hyper-extremist, literalist people out there who thought that nobody else except them was on the path of truth. And unfortunately, they also use such hadith, and they also say certain things. But we can't shy away from the hadith because wrong people are using them wrongly. So there, there is this problem that we do have. Now the way to address it with the younger crowd of ulama or young people who get khilafah and all of a sudden think that they can do islah anyone and everyone and they don't and they forget the need for their own islah. So we have to treat them with love and we have to bring them back onto this path of taqwa, onto the path of Sheikh Qasim Nanotwe, Sheikh Rishidam Gagoy, Sheikh Ashraf Laitanvir Malatana. The more difficult problem is what to do with those who are older. By older, roughly, I mean 50 and above, who unfortunately have lost the state of heart and lost the virtuous practice, but still retain that aura and that charisma and that knowledge and that eloquence. And this is what Nabi Akrim Sallallahu was worried about, that such people would mislead the Ummah. Now, it's amazing so what you find here, and, and now I talked about, you know, ulama and shuk, but it's something, this type of nifaq is, is happening in awam, amatunas, as we say, in the ordinary masses as well. And you find sometimes among student communities, uh, a student gives a small talk, uh, and, they, and they're concerned more about their eloquence and their language and their presentation, and they want references. Why? They're not worried so much that will their talk benefit themselves, let alone will the talk benefit others. They're worried about how much the talk will be impressive to others. And they're worried, and that this is instead of being worried that will I say sweet. This meant instead they're worried that one of my words aren't sweet and aren't eloquent, and I'm not able to attract the attention or mesmerize the audience. And so we have this problem amongst seekers of deen or students of deen or seekers on the path. And so it's very important that we have this concern uh, that we are always worried about the state of our amal and the state of our qalb. Now, uh, again, one extreme reaction to this is that some people suggested that, okay, then nobody should give a lecture and a talk and a bayan Ulama and Mashaik should not give wa'az uh, means admonishment and nasiha and advice from the pulpit. Uh, but the reality is that no. Uh, giving wa'az and nasiha has been the practice of the Anbiya and Mursaleen and was also the teaching of the Prophet when he said, Ad-Deen al-Nasiha. And it 
means that the entire deen consists of Nasiha. And Allah SWT said in Quran, وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ ذِكْرَ تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That you should admonish and remind. So there are different ways that a person can have this nifaq in them. And different ways they can realize that. Alright? Now, the first way is obviously, which was the, the worst way, is the way that the Munafiqun of Madinah Manawara were, is that their heart could not perceive their nifaq. And in fact, it was very deliberate in their heart. They would not let the truth of Iman enter into their heart. The second way, which is what is our condition, is that obviously we have Iman in our heart, and we let Iman in our heart, and we embrace Iman with all of our heart. But outside our heart, yani in our zahir, in our outward form, in our external actions, we sometimes discard and leave the faraiz or wajibat or the sunnahs, the duties of our deen, or the adab or akhlaq or the proper morals and virtues and character of deen. So a person who does that openly is called a fasik in our deen. Then there's a third way that we let the iman in our heart and we are people of iman, alhamdulillah, and we actually do the outward actions as well. But we don't really feel it with our heart. So we become like a sham. We become like a show. We're outwardly practicing and the world might get deceived. Because outwardly apparently we have all of the sunnah and we have amal and we have actions and we have practice. And we might even be sweet with people. We might even outwardly have adab and akhlaq. But the heart remains rotten with unlawful lust. The heart remains rotten with greed in amassing the wealth of this world. The heart remains rotten with stinginess. The heart remains rotten with anger for any and everyone who may challenge us. The heart remains rotten with envy and jealousy. And the heart, especially this type of munafik, has the extreme level of this particular rot in their heart, which is called ujub in kibber which is means they have suffered from vanity, conceit, arrogance, and pride. But again, number one, they have full iman in their heart. And number two, outwardly, they have amal and they have actions, but their heart is rotten. It's, in fact, the third type, not the first one. In fact, it's amazing in other hadith, how much Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu how, how much he was not even worried, like how little he was worried about the Munafikun of Madinah Manawara. And he actually lived with them and he knew their names and he knew who they were. But they didn't disturb him. They didn't throw him off when he was giving a ta'lim or tarbiyah to Sahabah their presence. And similarly, the second form, who abandons the outward actions, also the, the fasik, even that was not such great worry. That munafiq who caused the greatest worry to Nabi Karim sallallahu is the third type whose heart does have iman and whose outward actions comply to the sunnah and does ibadah and has adab and akhlaq but their heart is full of rot and disease. And the sign of that is that also that they will sin secretly 
never conceal those sins and they will lie to conceal those sins. It's this third type that Sayyidina Rasulullah most feared for the Ummah because it's this third type that can deceive the masses. The second type cannot deceive the masses because the second type outwardly they are on fisk, outwardly they sin, outwardly they leave the major faraz and wajibat. Now, this is why we should be scared because any one of us who has Iman in our heart and any one of us who on top of that has outward sunnah or outward amal or outward ibadah, outward adab, we're two out of three steps, two out of three things of that most fearful monothic in us. So that's why it's very important that you will find this is why so many of the core teachings of Tazkiyah, the Sawaf, revolve around this that do not sin secretly. Do not conceal your sin with outward acts of piety and be, do not content yourself with a rotten heart and with the haram feelings that a person has in their heart. Now, uh, sometimes, how does a person fall into this nifaq? And this is something we've observed in some people. Uh, one way, at this third time, how, does, how is it possible that a person has iman, they have amal, they have ilm, and still they fall into secret sin and they live with a rotten heart? For some people, uh, sometimes it's simply their nafs. So the first explanation is nafs, that the nafs overpowers and overwhelms them so much and they so constantly, consistently follow their nafs unrepentantly that ultimately then Allah subhanahu wa puts a veil on their perception. And it's not even then just that they're deluding others, they're self-deluded. They don't even think that they're sinners. They don't even conceive of themselves as sinners. In fact, you can read this self-delusion can read such an extreme that not only do they not acknowledge themselves as a sinner, they view themselves to be the most pious person on earth. Why? Because of nafs. And so that's why it's very important. Number one, we should try to fight our nafs. And number two, we should be honest when we fail. And we should embrace that honesty, even though it hurts to view oneself as a sinner. It hurts to accept one's sins. It hurts if one's sins are ever exposed. The natural temptation is to lie, to conceal. But that honesty is the only thing that can save a person from hypocrisy. And the greatest honesty is obviously being honest with Allah Taala. That means how do you behave when you're alone and being honest to yourself. How do you view yourself to be? And this is the greatest redeeming factor and the greatest sanctuary and the thing that can save us from this horrific nifaq, which was terrifying to Nabi Akrim Sallallahu that greatest redeeming factor is honesty. And that's why many times a large part of the teachings of the Sof and Tazkiyah is about watch yourself when you're alone, or look into your heart, become a person of muhasaba, of self-accounting and introspection and reflection. And yes, sometimes Allah SWT and His Hidayah may send tests and trial and tribulation, imtihan, ibtila, outright fitna, to slap a person into their senses, to shake them up, to make them realize, to make them be honest with themselves. And if they don't, and they're stubborn, and after that imtihan, and after that fitna, they remain on a path of falsehood and concealment, 
and it's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who out of his mercy can guide them thereafter. So it's very important that we remain honest. And very quickly, a second reason. So the first reason was nafs that we fall into this type of nifaq. The second is being enamored with the dunya. Maybe it's being enamored with the Western culture or Western lifestyle or love for certain unbelievers or love for certain of their styles or fashions or lifestyles. And this love and being enamored and attracted to these things can also create, cause that veil to come on a person where they don't even realize it and they end up in this type of devastating nifaq. We make dua that Allah subhanahu protect us from our nafs. We make dua that Allah subhanahu protect us from being enamored by any and every falsehood or false person. And we ask that Allah subhanahu out of his karam and fuzzle grant us hidayah and guide us to always be true and honest mu'mineen. And may he make us honest with ourselves and honest with him. Wa akhirat da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.